Okay, good evening. <coughs> Special thank you to Tor Anytime for sharing this year, as well as uh, hundreds of thousands of others. In cosmology and astronomy, you'll have researchers trying to find the theory of everything. Some, some one concept, one idea that would explain the entirety of the universe. And we're still looking for that theory of everything. When it comes to Torah, it's a very difficult question. What is the yesod? What is the foundation that everything is dependent upon? question that you or I probably will never answer, but I think there are highlights along the way throughout our journey of Limud HaTorah as we study together. There are very fundamental ideas that explode out of the page, and I think tonight we're going to find one of those very crucial, very essential. Is it the theory of everything? I'm not sure, but it's top three. We know that after someone passes away and they're now standing in front of the infinite creator of the universe, the Gemara and Shabbos tells us that we're going to have to answer a few questions. When I stand before judgment, they're going to say to me, Did you conduct yourself with your business dealings and your interactions with others, with honesty, with integrity? That's the first question. Then, did you set aside time for learning? Did you make that a priority? Did you yearn and, and desire the redemption? So we have a few questions we're going to have to answer. What's the very first question? Did you conduct yourself honestly? Now it's a little bit strange because we have a very similar Gemara in Sanhedrin where Rav Huna, Rav Hamnuna tells us, The first thing that I'll be judged on when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is assessing all of my accomplishments, the very first thing they're going to look at is Divrei Torah, my words of Torah. Was I engaged in Torah study? So it sounds like, superficially, there's a contradiction. Rava told us the very first question is, Nasasav Nasatla did you conduct yourself honestly? Yet the Gemara Sanhedrin, Rav Hamnuna is telling us, the first issue of judgment is did you learn? Did you learn sufficiently? Satosos is bothered by the question, and I want to just take a look at his second answer. This is source number three. Tosos resolves the contradiction. He says, really, we're talking about two separate ideas. The Gemara in Shabbos, where we say the first question is, Nasosav and Asata Bemuna, were you Ehrlich, were you honest? That's the first question. But the actual judgment, that's going to start with my learning of Torah. 
So that's the structural difference he creates. What's the first question? Were you honest? Where does the judgment begin? With my level of learning. How much did I try? How much was my learning of Torah priority? So it's a very interesting distinction, but I think the question still begs to be asked. If, if we're judging you first regarding your Torah connection, that would seem to be based on the fact that that's probably the main thing in life. Learning Torah is the greatest mitzvah. So if that's the case, why do we first ask you regarding your business deals? Where's that coming from? What's the hashkafa? What's the philosophy behind that Gemara? Nasasa v'nasata be'emunah. We have in the parsha this week, we have many restrictions, right? It's chocked full of mitzvot in this parsha, And we have many prohibitions against doing things in a dishonest way. The Torah tells us, Losasu, Ovo b'mishpat, b'midah, b'mishkol, b'masura. Don't do anything that's false when it comes to judgment. When you're weighing something, when you're measuring something, you own a store and someone's buying some produce. So back in the olden days, how do I know how much it costs? We have to weigh it. I have a scale. And theoretically, if I know what I'm doing, I could add a little bit of weight to this end of the scale. And therefore, every time I'm selling you something, I'm really making more than I should be. Torah says you can't do that. Rather, Mosnei Tzedek, Avnei Tzedek, you have to have scales that are right, that are just. Ephas Tzedek, Hin Tzedek, when you're measuring dry food, when you're measuring liquid, everything has to be in a very ehrlich, very honest way. Ani Hashem Elokeichem, I am Hashem your God, Asher Hotseisi Eschem Me'eretz Mitzrayim, who took you out of Egypt. So be very, very careful in your business dealings because I'm Hashem and I took you out of Egypt. So what does that have to do with not cheating the customer? So Rashi says just a few words. Rashi says, Al minas The message of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is I took you out for this. On this condition, namely, that you're not cheating the guy when he's buying his apples. That's why I took you out of Mitzrayim. Well, the source of Rashi is a Sifra, a Midrashic source. If you look at the Sifra, it seems even more radical. <coughs> sifra says, Shikol hamoda b'mitzvos midos. Anytime a person agrees, I acknowledge that there's a requirement to have honest weights and measures, then moda b'yitzias mitzrayim. It's as if I'm agreeing, it's as if I'm believing in yitzias mitzrayim. Hashem took us out of Egypt. V'chol ha-kofer b'mitzvos midos. But anyone who denies or neglects this mitzvah of being honest with your weights and measures, kofer b'yitzias mitzrayim. It's as if I'm denying the fact that Hashem took us out of Egypt. So it sounds like it's a pretty big deal. al Why did Hashem take us out of Egypt? If you were to ask anybody, I think we would all answer, in order to be free, not freedom as an end unto itself, 
but as a means to an end, a means to accepting the Torah and living a Jewish life and all the mitzvos. But yet, the Pasuk seems to be saying, based on this Sifra, that Hashem is telling us, I took you out of Mitzrayim, I freed you, Al-Manaskein, that you shouldn't cheat someone when they're trying to buy produce. That's a strange thing to say. So it's the very first question we're going to have to answer. And it seems to be the very reason why we were freed from Mitzrayim. And if I neglect to be careful in this mitzvah, it's as if I'm denying that reality. And if I'm careful in this mitzvah, and I have Rabbi Wilkach come over and make sure all my weights and measures are the way they should be, then it's as if I'm accepting that reality that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Last but not least, We have in Parshas B'Shalach, Torah tells us, that if we listen, if we follow the instructions of Hashem, and I do that which is yashar, that which is straight in the eyes of Hashem, and I listen to the mitzvos, then Hashem says, I'm going to heal you, spiritually and physically. If you do hayosher be'enav, that which is just and right in the eyes of Hashem, then Hashem says, I'm there for you. How do we define yosher be'enav? So the Ramban says, hayosher be'enav ta'aseh, what is that a reference to? What mitzvah? Zemasa umatan. That's talking about business. Doing that which is just and straight in the eyes of God is talking about how we interact with other people when we're trying to make money. And then he says, a radical line, Melamed, we could learn from here, Shekol in any time we do conduct ourselves with honesty and integrity, V'ruach habrios menu and people are happy with me because they know I'm not trying to cheat them, I'm not trying to exploit them, I'm not trying to rip you off. It's a win-win situation, I'm trying to make money to support my family, but I want you to get the best deal. Anytime you're doing that, you're living that lifestyle, says the Ramban, Mala alav ki'ilukayim kol ha-Torah kula. It's as if you're fulfilling the entire Torah. So we have these three places where the, the, the whole notion of just acting with honesty, with authenticity, seems to be so big, almost blown out of proportion. Anyone would agree that not cheating and not lying and not stealing is a bad, well, it's a good thing to avoid, and it's a bad thing to do. But yet, it sounds like this is everything. The first question I have to answer is business-related. And if I'm careful with my business dealings, then I agree to Hashem taking us out of Mitzrayim. And if I'm careful with my, with my interactions with clients, so then it's as if I'm fulfilling the entire Torah. What's the big deal? Why is it so fundamental? Why is it so essential? I remember reading a story about Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. Rav Yaakov was known for his his devakis, his commitment to truth. And 
he said about himself that I've never lied in my entire life. Imagine being able to say that. I've never. Can we say I didn't lie today? <laughs> right? He said about himself, I never lied in my entire life. So there's a lady that was trying to ask him a question. They were struggling and her husband wasn't making as much as he used to. And they were only about $20,000, $25,000 away from being uh, able to get food stamps. So the question was, if we adjust our income according to what the government's okay with, and we're doing it obviously for a good reason, we're having a hard time paying our bills, uh, tuition is crazy, we have, Baruch Hashem, a lot of children. So is there anything wrong with that? So we tried to clarify, what do you mean adjust your income? And she explained, basically, it's asking how much we make, and instead of saying 75, I'll just put down 50. But I'm doing it litzaruch mitzvah. We're doing it for a good cause, a good reason. He said, you can't do that. You can't cheat the government. Sometimes yeshivas would come to Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, and they would try to explain they were in dire straits. And, and the only way they could keep on going, you know, they have a couple of, of uh, shtick ideas, not 100% legal, but no one's going to find out. And his answer would always be, if you don't do this, will you be able to survive? Sometimes the response was, no, if we don't do this, we're going to have to close down. And Ryaka would say back, I'm sorry to hear that. But if the other option is lying and cheating the government, then maybe the answer is, maybe the Ratzon Hashem is to close down. I wouldn't want to see that, but lying and cheating is never an option. But why is it such a big deal? There's a piece here from the Nitziv, the Emek Dover, that I think gives us a little bit of a clue, a little bit of an insight as to why being honest is, uh, is so fundamental. The Nitziv writes... What is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? When we speak about the fact that Hashem took us out of Egypt, why do we mention that all the time? Why do we always say that in Kiddush and every holiday? Even when there seems to be no connection between Rosh Hashanah and the leaving of Egypt? Why do we always mention that concept? So the basic answer is, we're remembering not just the historical event, but we're reinforcing, we're being machazik, we're strengthening our belief that Hashem is mashkiach, that Hashem is in total control of everything that happens. And there's no such thing as teva, there's no such thing as nature. We're trying to reinforce that mantra of Ein od milvado. Zeicher Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is not just remembering what happened, but remembering the lesson learned from Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, which was, there's not just the creator of the universe, but God is intimately involved with our daily lives. We have a relationship with Hashem. So explains the Nitziv. The whole goal of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is to show us, is to demonstrate that Hashem is living with us. And this belief, that's based on having honest weights and measures. Because if I really believed that Hashem was totally involved with my life, 
then there's no way I could allow myself to do this. If I really believe that Kaddish Baruch Hu was with me, so then I can't get into this warped mindset, creating this, this, this existence of denial, it's not a big deal, no one's going to see, it's only a couple of bucks, just cutting the corner here, it's not going to make a difference. If I had real Amuna, then I would never do this. So it sounds like what the Nitziv is saying is the reason why being honest is so incredibly fundamental is because it's an indication. It's an expression of how much I really believe and live with that presence of Hashem in my life. Integrity is an outgrowth of Amuna. Okay. It's a pretty good answer. Now, besides being an outgrowth of our faith, and when we really believe Hashem is there, we're not going to cut corners, it does something much broader than that. When I'm able to live a life of integrity, and I have my values, and I, and I do what I feel comfortable with, and I don't let pressure sway me in either direction, people respect me more, and I respect myself more. There was a, somewhat of a famous story that took place probably in 1999, 2000. There was a, he's still around, a well-known religious lawyer, Ben Brothman. And he was called by a singer, probably heard the name, some of you, the younger generation, Puff Daddy. Or as they say in Hebrew, Abba Puff. <laughs> So Puff Daddy calls up Ben Brofman, and it sounds like he got himself into some trouble, and it's a high-profile case, and he wants the best possible criminal lawyer, and you're the man for the job. So he was honored, and uh, in his humility, he said back to Puff Daddy, I think you're right, I am the man for the job. Okay, let's make a deal. So Puff Daddy says... I just have a few things that I need from you. First of all, anybody working for me, I need all of your phone numbers. I need your house number, your cell phone, your wife's cell phone. I need to reach you in case of an emergency, no matter what. You can't be offline. I need to reach you 24-7. So Ben says, uh, the first request I'm okay with, I'll give you all of my numbers, that's fine. But I'm not available 24-7, I'm available 24-6. What are you talking about? Well, I'm a religious Jew, and on Saturday, that's our Sabbath, and I don't use the phone. So Puff Daddy starts laughing. <laughs> I'm getting you a lot of money, and I need you available 24-7. And if I call you, clearly it's an emergency, and I'm sure that's okay to utilize electricity. And he said back, that's not the way it works. I do think I'm the man for the job, but I'm letting you know now that I do not work on Saturday. If you need to get in touch with me, I have a whole crew of people who are not Jewish, contact them, and if there's a real, real emergency, they can get through to me. If you really want to contact me directly, this is back in the times of fax machines, you could fax me and I'll read the facts and I'll determine if I feel it's really an emergency. But Friday night or Saturday during the day, do not call. And if you do, I'm not going to pick up. So they agree. 
the first Shabbos, after they make this agreement, Friday night, Ben Brofman comes home from shul, right? and he starts making kiddush, he's with his family, having a suda, and the phone rings. Okay. He has a hunch, maybe it's Puff Daddy. <laughs> Doesn't pick it up. And the phone rings again, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifteenth time, and it keeps on ringing hundreds and hundreds of times. He doesn't pick up the phone. And the way he himself describes this, he said, I knew it wasn't a real emergency. I told him the protocol. If he wanted to get through to me, he could fax me. He didn't fax me anything, so I'm not picking up the phone. I assume it's him. We'll talk after Shabbos. Shabbos is over. Ben calls Puff Daddy and says, I assume that was you trying to call. And he says, yes, it was. I apologize. I was not able to pick up the phone like we spoke about. Yeah, I know. I take it it wasn't an emergency? No, no, not at all. Thank you so much, Benny. Why are you thanking me? You just made me $10,000. I was sitting around with some of my buddies and we made the bet that if I was gonna call you, everyone thought you would pick up. And I said, there's no way he's touching the phone. <laughs> so we made a bet for $10,000 and I thank you very much for not picking up the phone. So integrity is not just an outgrowth of Amuna. But we gain respect from others, and we gain respect from ourselves. In, in any position of leadership, if you're running a school, if you're running a, a company, if you have a yeshiva, everybody cares about what other people are saying. Everybody wants to please their customers, or the parents, the clientele. And that has to be, obviously, on, on the front burner. We want to make people happy. We want, to, we want to make people feel good with our product, whatever it is. But we can't compromise on our values. Integrity is an outgrowth of Amuna. There was a question that was posed to Moshe Feinstein about young men in yeshiva who were supposedly cheating on tests. And it sounds like they were doing this. Their rationale was, we don't want to waste time learning that information. <laughs> Our parents are making us go to secular courses. We have no interest. So we'll be able to get the test some other way. They were very resourceful, I guess. And uh, we'll pass and we'll get the grades we need and move on without having to waste time. So Moshe writes, he says, V'hinei b'davish al-also al-masha shama should be yeshivos matirim letalmidim lignov eshachuvos l'she'elos this rumor that's going around that in some places they were allowing kids to, uh, to cheat on tests. To show that they received their diplomas. This is obviously prohibited, not just because it's the law of the land that we cannot violate. But from the Torah hashkafa, the Torah perspective, Cheating is not okay. And this is a very important line. And even though I might be doing so with a very noble goal, I want to be learning more. You still can't steal. And then he says something very interesting. He says, if you're going to these classes anyway, 
for whatever reason, either because you're, you're mandated to do so, or because your parents want you to get a basic high school education, whatever the reason is, you're sitting there through a history class. You're sitting there through a biology class. Once you're going there and you're sitting through a secular class, and if you choose not to pay attention, do you know why you're not paying attention? Because you're lazy, not because you're from, not because you're religious, not because it's a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. It's because you're lazy. He says, This time is taken away from Torah anyway. To the contrary, listen to his advice. If you allow yourself to do anything half-baked in life, you allow yourself to sit there and space out as the professor is talking, because anyway I'll have a different avenue of getting the answers right, you're missing an opportunity for, for wisdom, but more severely than that is you're training yourself in being lazy. I'm training myself in not being fully engaged and fully focused at the task at hand. So not only is it usher to cheat, it's not a good idea. In a different tshuva, a different response of Ramosha, he's now dealing with a question that was brought to his attention that a particular yeshiva might be doing things that were somewhat illegal or at least questionable. And he does say, first of all, I don't believe it. And even if something's going on, obviously, I don't assume the Rosh Yeshiva, the heads of the Yeshiva are involved. But he says, I do feel it's, it's worthwhile just to address the issue. He says, <laughs> We are clearly warned and cautioned by Hashem that He's commanded us in the Torah HaKadosha to be very careful not to take more than we're allowed to take. He writes, We live in a Medina Shel Chesed. And we sometimes forget, we sometimes forget how incredibly fortunate we are to be living in America. And although presently things seem to be spiraling out of control, and there's so much evil, and there's so much craziness, but, but the fabric of the country, right, the origins of religious freedom and tolerance, it's unique in history. So Moshe says, we live in a Medina Shel Chesed. We have to have gratitude for everything they're allowing us to do and even sometimes helping us in our Limud HaTorah. But we can't take one cent more than we're deserving. He says, if you do so, you're in violation of stealing, of cheating, of lying. And Chilul Hashem, you're disgracing the Torah. You're bringing down the honor and the respect of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. There is no potential leniency in the world to be dishonest, no matter what your agenda is. You can't play Robin Hood when it comes to Geneva. So we see that Ehrlichkeit, being honest, being truthful, being upright, is very important. And it comes from, it's an outgrowth of having a Muna, believing that Hashem is totally in control of everything in our lives. I want to take this one step deeper. When we're learning Gemara, oftentimes there's a question, is A an expression of B, or does A cause B? Is it a simon or a siba? 
So one of the classic examples. When I'm giving to Cory, why am I giving to him? Well, I'm doing so because I love him. So my giving is an expression of my love. We also know that the giving itself enhances and creates the love. So it's both a simon and a siba. When it comes to being honest and truthful, and honesty should never be limited to saying things in the right way and not lying. Obviously, we don't believe in lying, but it's so much deeper. It's not about the words we say, it's about the life we live. It's not about the, the technicalities of how many numbers am I placing on the paper, although those really matter, but it's so much broader than that. It's who I am and how I express myself. That's living with integrity. I saw a beautiful quote from Stephen Covey. He wrote, Honesty is telling the truth. In other words, conforming our words to reality. Integrity is conforming reality to our words. In other words, keeping promises and fulfilling expectations. This requires an integrated character, a oneness, primarily with oneself, but also with life. So integrity is much more than just speaking the truth, it's living the truth. That's an outgrowth of Amuna, but I'd like to suggest that it also creates and expands our Amuna. How do you believe in God? Famous question, how can you command me to believe anything? Either I believe it or I don't. If something's logical, then prove it to me. But if there's something called Amuna, there's something called belief, how can you tell me I have to believe? Maybe I don't believe. No, no, but, but you're commanded to believe. How do I make myself believe something? So I'd like to suggest that living with integrity will enhance and create Amuna. I want to define or redefine what Amuna actually means. How do we usually translate the word Amuna? Belief. <clears throat> Belief means I feel or I think this is true based on the information I have, based on evidence, based on what I've seen, a personal experience. That's what belief is, and we often mistranslate Amuna as belief. But I want to share with you a couple of quick ideas. In the famous war against the Malik, after crossing the Yamsuf and going through that miraculous scene, so a Malik attacks us, and we know that Moshe is holding up his hands, and whenever he's doing so, the Jewish people are victorious. Only problem was, his hands were getting tired. It's been a long time since he's been working out, so his hands are tired, no problem. They get him a rock to sit on, and we have people hold up his hands. Unbelievable. Chor on one side, Aaron on the other side, and the Torah tells us, Vahiyodev emuna adbo hashomish. His hands were emuna until the sun set. His hands were belief. What does that mean, his hands were emuna? Explains the Ramban. Shehayu omdos vekayomos baromuso. Emuna in this context does not mean belief, but it means omed vekayim. It's standing and it's lasting, it's enduring. His hands were up in the air as a symbol of endurance. That's what a Muna means here. 
in Yeshaya, Yeshaya says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I, I thank you, Aramimcha, I, I uplift you, Ki Asisa Pela Eitzos Mirachok Emuna Omein. You've done for me amazing things from a distance. From a distance means, explains many of the commentators, based on the, the prophets, the ancient prophets, I've seen emuna omein, your steadfast emuna. What does that mean, Hashem's emuna? The Radak says, Niskaimu kiyum chazak. I've seen the words of the prophets have a kiyum, have a lasting endurance. That's what emuna means. Zehu emunas omein. And we find one last expression of this, and the truth is there are many other examples. But in Shmuel, we have a beautiful conversation between Abigail and David Melech. And she says, Ki Hashem la'adoni bayis ne'man. Hashem should make for you a bayis ne'man. A house that's truthful. And this is a blessing we give to every chassid and kala. You should be zocha to build a bayis ne'man b'Yisrael. What does that mean? A bayis ne'man. A truthful home, an established home. Bias Naman explains the Mitsudas Tzion, the same exact concept. It should have a kiyum. It should be enduring. It should be lasting. There should be a loyalty. There should be a continuity. That's a munah. It's much more than belief. Mordechai, it says, hadasa. He took care of Hadassah, of Esther. Omein is the exact same Shorish, Aleph, Mem, Nun. What does Omein mean? To be there for you. No matter what happens, through thick and thin, I'm, I'm here to support you. Emuna is not belief. It's not faith. It's endurance. It's a kiyum. There's a lasting commitment to that which I know is true. I have a vision. I have a goal or I have a realization of what I should or want to be doing, that's step number one. That we call in Hebrew, Yediyah. That's knowledge. The Ramban says, the mitzvah of Anochi Hashem Elokecha, the mitzvah that we have to believe in Hashem, it has two components to it. Yediyah is the knowledge. I have to be fully aware, intellectually speaking, that there's intelligent design, that there's a creator of the universe, and then there's also Emunah. Amuna is, and no matter what happens, no matter how strong those winds blow, I'm sticking to my guns. I know this is true, and I'm living according to my knowledge. That's Amuna. That's why Hashem has Amuna in us. And we find this all throughout Tanakh. We say it every morning. We say, thank you, Hashem, for giving us our neshama back. Rabba Abunasecha, your Amuna is so great. Hashem's belief is so great. He believes in Himself. He believes I exist. What does that mean? Your Amuna is great. It means I know that you're there for me. From the fact that I'm conscious and the fact that I'm alive and I have another opportunity to do mitzvos and to uplift others around me, Rabba Abunasecha, your Amuna, your loyalty to me, your commitment to me is awesome. And I thank you for that. 
Lahagi beboker chasdacha, David Melech writes that in the morning time, when things are bright and, and, and I understand the, the direction that I'm going and I see your hand in my life, then I want to tell you how much I appreciate your chesed, your kindness. But I have to remember your amuna when it's nighttime, which means when it's dark outside. And I don't understand why this is going on. And I can't make sense out of this relationship. And it's so gloomy and it's so dreary and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I have to reinforce, I have to remind myself, Rabba Munasecha, you still believe in me. You have belief in me. Not that I exist, not that you exist, but you're there for me. That's what Amuna means. So integrity, honesty, authenticity, those are an outgrowth of believing that Hashem is intimately involved in every aspect of my life. But at the same time, trying to become that kind of human being, that allows me, that enables me to have real Amuna. Amuna is not just knowledge of God's existence, but it's a commitment, it's a kiyum, it's, it's, it's a yatad neman. I'm, I'm fully committed to my knowledge that you exist. That's a muna. So how could God command belief? The answer is there's no such thing. We all know that there are many things, intellectually, they make sense. Right? How many times do we tell ourselves, I'm not going to raise my voice like that again. I feel really, really guilty I spoke to my child like that. If I heard any other father speaking to their four-year-old girl like that, I would think he's a terrible dad. And I just did that. And I keep on doing that. But I want to stop from now on. So I know that. That's the idea. That's knowledge. But it might not be Amuna. Amuna is, am I fully committed to not speaking like that? Or to the contrary, I know I have to express words of affirmation. I know this is what my husband needs. He needs more of my verbal affection. And I have a hard time doing that. I know that's what I need to be doing. That's the idea. Amuna is, am I fully committed to trying to make that change? So Amuna brings integrity. Integrity brings Amuna. There was an unbelievable Torah personality, Rabbi Lazar Plachinsky. And uh, for much of the Jewish world, unfortunately, he, he's a name that's not known by most. Rabbi Lazar Plachinsky was uh, he was the grandson of the altar of Slobodka, of Nassim Svi Finkel. And in his early years, he was a young teenager, he learned in Slobodka. And then eventually he married the daughter of Rav Aryeh Levine. So he was the, the, the son-in-law of Aryeh Levine. He was the brother-in-law of Rabbi Yoshev. He had a nice yichus, a nice family. He was the Rosh Hashiva of many different yeshivas throughout Eretz Yisrael. He was very fortunate through miracles to survive the Holocaust. He was able to escape in 1940 and find his way to what was known at the time as Palestine. And there he lived the rest of his life. One of my very close rebbeim, Rabbi Yaman Luban in North Miami, was very close with Rabbi Lazer. So I was Zoha over the years to hear many stories about his life, his personality, I want to share with you two brief ones. 
There was one time that Reb Lezer was walking with the Chazanish. They were very friendly. And this was in the, in the middle of a big debate where you had a real hashkafic difference amongst, amongst great people. The Chazanish was walking with Reb Lezer Plachinsky, and Reb Lezer could tell the Chazanish was very disturbed. And he just kept on like shaking his head, not understanding how this other person, this third party, who could be so great, but just totally missing the boat on this issue. So Blazer said to the Chazonish, he said, Rebbe, listen, he's no gay Abadavar, which means he has a bias. He's not able to be as authentic and real in this particular question because he's seeing it through somewhat of a warped lens. And the Chazonish said, Nein, he's not no gay Abadavar. He doesn't have an issue with this particular question. His whole life is in the Gia. His whole life is a bias. He was bemoaning the fact that there was someone who was, who was a great Torah scholar, but he felt he wasn't great enough to rise above his own warped perception on a particular issue, but it wasn't limited to that issue. It's a scary thought, but theoretically, we could be doing so many things in life based on a bias, based on a gia, on a personal agenda. And people could give us subtle tochacha, subtle rebuke, sometimes more explicit, and we might not get the message. We could be going years and years on the wrong path. And it's easier for us to think of other people that we might know. And we all know those people, unfortunately, where I've tried to have conversations, but I'm not even communicating. We're not having a back and forth. You're living so much in your own world. The greatest form of deception is self-deception. You want to lie to me? You want to be dishonest with me? Not a good move. It's usher. You're not going to have real lamuna. But at least you know who you are. When you have somebody, or unfortunately when we have ourselves, sometimes fall into that trap where we're just not seeing things straight. We're not trying to conform ourselves to reality. We're trying to take reality and mold it to what we want it to be. We can miss out on so many beautiful things in life. We have to be open to hear truth. People, right, the, the big phrase is, you have to be true to yourself. So I'm not sure I buy that. You have to bring yourself closer to truth. That's what Torah is. Torah is the taher libenu la'abdecha ba'emis. Purify my heart. Purify. I want to be authentic. I want to be genuine. I want to be real. And only then can I interact with others with a real connection. Only then can I really have a muna. Otherwise, I'm fooling you. And more significantly, I'm fooling myself. And I'm missing out on life. But when we have real amuna, and we understand that Hashem is with us, and we understand the importance of being fully genuine and fully authentic, nothing could faze us. And that's story number two. Blazer Plachinsky was offered, there was a whole back and forth, and it was complicated, but he was offered at one point to be the Rosh Hashiva of Panovich. Getting an offer like that is a very prestigious job opportunity. To be the Rosh Hashiva Panovich, you have to be literally one of the Gedoli Hador, one of the greatest human beings of the generation. And based on 
politics and a back and forth, it didn't work out. So needless to say, he, he, was, he was upset about the whole thing. So he went to Rabbi Yecheskel Lebramsky. Yecheskel Lebramsky lived in, in Europe for many years, in London, and eventually moved to Eretz Yisrael. And he was sharing his feelings with Rabbi Yecheskel Lebramsky. I don't know what to do. I feel dejected. This was an amazing opportunity, but now it's, it's lost forever. And Rabbi Yecheskel said, I want to tell you something I never told anybody until till now. My whole life, until I moved to Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Hashem, Tanayz Yom Atzmaut, Baruch Hashem, we have Eretz Yisrael. He said, my whole life, until I was Zohar to move to Eretz Yisrael, things were pretty difficult. Uh, in Russia, with the communists, they were always down my throat. And then when I moved to London, I was part of a based in. I was well respected for a while, but then I went to a different based in. I went to a place that was more modern, and people started talking about me. And then I had this reputation of, of not being the real deal, not being the a real Godol. I never told anybody why, but I'll share with you because I think it could be a source of encouragement. I received the telegram from Chai Moser. Chai Moser was the Godol Hador, accepted by all, and through his, his little tiny bubble in Vilna, he would reach out and help and pass in questions in America and Eretz Yisrael all throughout the world. I received a telegram from Rav Chaim Moser and he encouraged me to go to the other base and that was more modern. Why? Because they weren't doing things right. And they were being Maguire people, they were converting people, but they weren't using the, the proper process. They were allowing Nikr Hagid and different things in the Kashrus field. You could go there and make a difference, so I did. And then once I moved, and everyone started making fun of me, and I lost all respect, and I now became the, the source of their ridicule, I lived that life for years and years. So Blazer asked Rabbi Cheskel Lebramsky, why didn't you just explain to them the Godel Hador of Chaim Ozer told you to do this? And he said back to Blazer, a line that changed his life forever. He said, because I know Klal Yisrael, and we're very special. We're very special people. But I also know that people get heated, people get passionate, and sometimes they, they go in the wrong direction. If I would have told people that I changed locations, I went to this more modern base than based on the soccer of Chaim Moser, you know what they would have said? They would have started making fun of the Gondol Hador, and that's not going to happen on my watch. Let me take the heat. So for years and years, you're living a life where people are looking down at you, people are mocking you, people are making fun of you. But you know what? I have that, that, that core value. I'm not going to do anything to bring down the kavod of the Godel Hador. That's living with integrity. The result of his life was when he moved to Eretz Yisrael, people had a deep appreciation of who he was. And he himself was one of the Godole Hador. Integrity is not just a bonus. Honesty is not just a virtue. It's really one of the, the guiding principles of Judaism. Is it the theory of everything? I don't know, but it's for sure one of the top three. Integrity comes from Amuna, and Amuna creates integrity, and vice versa. Integrity will enhance our Amuna. We should be Zohar to be honest, authentic, and genuine. A good Shabbos.